the Lord moved me on, and as I was praying, I really felt we needed to go to this particular text, and it's written one of the, it's recognized as one of the latest texts written in the Bible, and it's was originally anonymous, but then they began to ascribe it to John Zebedee, John the Revelator, who writes the book of Revelation, if you turn right, just a few pages, but in verse 19, he says something poignant. He says, we love him because he first loved us. That is a life message. Seven words that can change everything about you. They can change the way you act, the way you live, the way you see things, the way you respond to people around you. Because he loved us, we should love. And because he loved us first, we should love someone who would be the last that deserves love. So I want you to know that today... God doesn't just love you. God is love. It's his character. It's who he is. So if you feel love from God, it's because it's a touching a source that is love. So today I want to talk to you for a little while about blessed because he loves me. Jesus, we ask you to touch the word, minister to those that are here that need to hear a touch of your your word, the ministry of the word goes forward and sows into our hearts. We know we are responsible to be good ground to receive it. We ask you to help the word to settle into our hearts in Jesus' name and bring forth fruit. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. The body of this particular scripture is authored in church tradition and found to be written as credentialed by John, and it points out so many beautiful things. Its, it's theme includes life, and it includes fellowship, and Christology, and it includes ethics. First, second, third John is beautifully written. In Greek, it seems to mean that Jesus didn't just appear as a human, but he was also God in flesh. How many know he was 100% God and 100% man? You have that as a belief system. And it has to be that way because he cannot come and die in our place unless he was 100% man. But he also cannot come and be God in the flesh unless he's 100% God. He cannot forgive sins on this earth unless he was God in a body. He cannot redeem the things he redeemed. And so we know that Jesus didn't have a separate human spirit. Like we have body, soul, and spirit. We're tripart beings. Thessalonians 5 tells us that. We are people who have a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, our consciousness, and our body, this thing that interacts with the earth, what we feel, see, touch, hear, it tells us that's hot or that's cold. Our body gives us that response mechanism. Jesus had all of that, but his spirit was God's spirit in him. He didn't have a separate human spirit. And so we know that when John starts writing that God is love, love is a fruit of the spirit. We know that we can have God's love shed in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
So when his spirit is in us, there are things that we can do that we would not be able to do. There's people that we can be in their life and we can love them even though they are not as lovable as others. How many just thought of somebody just now? Oh, we, we're going to get honest here for a minute. So God is love. In verse 7 of that same chapter said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. That's the source. And whosoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Are you glad you have life in Jesus? Spiritual renewal in him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This theme starts to spin out in all other books in Scripture. There are so many places where God shows that if I love you, you love. If I forgive you, you forgive others. That's a central theme of Scripture. And verse 12 says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And if his love is perfected in us, verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him. Here's how you know you're in Christ Jesus. And he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. How many are full of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Thankful to God for that. And verse 14 says, and when we have, as the thought continues, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, the flesh came to die, wherefore confesseth that Jesus is the Son of God. Whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So, verse 16, we have come to know and to believe. Anybody know and believe? The love that God has for us. That's how we know because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him, we'll get to that a little bit later in the sermon. God is love and whosoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. A lot of abiding going on, a lot of dwelling happening in that scripture. In verse 17, but this is love perfected. But by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because we will be able to stand, is what he's saying, in the day of judgment with confidence, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm so grateful that I can go to God and not be afraid. Amen? Because his love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whosoever fears has not been perfected in love. Verse 19. Here's where we were at. We love because he first loved us. Loved us. In other words, he's saying you don't have to have fear running to God. He loves you. You can run to the throne of grace in your time of need, Scripture tells us. Why? Because he loved us first. And he would run, any time a child would run into your arms, you would take them up and love them. They don't change their status because of something that they did. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He goes on to say that you need to love others as you have been loved and received. For he... 
who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whosoever loves God must also love his brother. That's a large statement right there. We have to learn to love one another even if we rub one another. Amen? Even if there's friction in our different personality types, we have to learn how to love. And the way that we do that is to get more of God's spirit in us that allows us to effort better to love others. God's God's abundant love and the blessing it brings into our life allows us to reach out and love other people. In fact, it's commanded of us to do so. Jesus gave a new commandment in Scripture in John, and he said that we would love one another. In fact, I'll get to that a little bit later, but I want to tell you why and how I found out that I was blessed because he loved me. We were driving to Alaska, the Alaska-Canadian Highway, and I was all of 12 at the time, and I had grown up in church. I knew what it was like to hear preaching every Sunday. We, we were the family that went to church. If pastor was going to be there painting the walls, uh, which need to be painted, by the way. <laughs> if pastor was going to be there painting the walls, we were there and filled the pews and watched it dry. We were the family that went on Monday nights to prayer, Wednesday nights to Bible study, Friday night to youth. Anybody ever been in that world? I mean, we were the most saved of the most saved Christians. <laughs> we were so saved. And we had, we had decided that we were going to go north to Alaska from Oregon where we were living with our grandparents and they had a house in Alaska and we were going to move there and rent it. And as we were coming over this bridge, coming off of a mountain into a valley, there was a bridge there. And my mom kind of misjudged the road and it was very slippery. And as she came through the bridge, she kind of lost control of the truck. We had a truck that had a camper on the back and it was just a 1980s Chevy uh, Silverado, I believe. And as we came through the bridge, there was oncoming traffic, and it was a narrowing bridge. So that bridge was actually uh, tighter than she was comfortable with. So she swerved off the bridge to the right, and when she did that, it threw the load in the back in the camper to the left. And then she didn't want to go off the road, so she jerked it back the other direction, and that shifted the load. And if you know physics, that spun us around in the road, and we started heading off the other side of the road. And we went into the ditch. We rolled up onto a road that was coming out at the, of a park, and we hit the ditch, rolled up, and we launched that camper into a field of cows, basically. And what was interesting is the thing that launched the farthest was a pickle jar full of pickles, and it was unbroken. But to my horrible understanding. I got out of the vehicle and survived it and looked, and my bicycle was just demolished. You know, of course, that was the worst thing that could have happened. But my mother told me that we were 30 minutes up the road, and something nudged her in her spirit. My brother was sleeping in the floorboard of the truck on the passenger side, and I was sleeping on the bucket seat that was in the middle. And my mother was just driving, and Before we hit this bridge and came off and spun out on this side, in the middle of Canada where we knew no one, something bumped her and said, put your boys in seatbelts. We didn't know our futures. We didn't know we were going to go to Bible colleges. We didn't know what we were going to do in the future. 
We had no idea that we would be preaching the gospel someday, my brother and I, as ministers. But God nudged, and it was that day that I realized that God is a rescuer, and he comes for you because he loves you. And from that day on, I have a memory, a core memory of this particular bridge and this particular situation where 30 minutes before, my mom woke us up out of a slumber and said, boys, I need you to get in your seatbelts. We had been driving for hours on open road in the Canadian wilderness. There was no reason why we needed to be so urgent. But she said, I don't know why but I need you to get in your seatbelts, right? And of course, being boys as we were, we didn't listen too well. But we managed to get in seatbelts, and that's whenever we realized that God was stepping in 30 minutes before the accident. Because when we hit that side and turned up, I looked up, and my mom was hanging from her seatbelt. My brother was in the middle, and then our cat was running across in the middle <laughs> trying to get somewhere where it could be safe because it was riding with us. I want to tell you that nothing is impossible to God. And when you feel the nudges of God on your life, you need to respond with urgency. You need to respond because you don't know what the future holds. And so the statement is this, that he loves us so much that he rescues us even before we, need to, we know we need to be rescued. And that helped my heart so much because I found out that God will love you even in the hardest moments and the unexpected moments of your life. This statement was written on a cellar wall during the Holocaust. You know the Holocaust, of course, was the systematic state-sponsored persecution and murder of six million Jews from the Nazi regime. And so one in three European Jews were murdered. And in that moment, you think that there would be no light, no hope, no faith, no nothing. But a person wrote on a cellar wall, I believe in the sun even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when I cannot feel it. I believe in God, even when he is silent. What kind of faith can do that? It's a faith that looks at impossible and says, if God can do it for someone else, he can do it for me. If he can do it in the word of God in the Old Testament for some of these people that walked with God, then he can do it for me. And that's why faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because when you hear that God can step in in the most obscure and difficult moments, you realize that if he'll do it once, he'll do it again. Because God does not change, my friend. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I would love to preach at the moment, but I got to kind of let myself out on a long leash here today because the heart needs strength and the strength needs to come from faith and faith builds hope and hope builds a future that you can put your emphasis and energy into and how is it possible to have a heart that holds on in, in those kind of times, the Holocaust and times that even when we see the crumbling of even the basic family structures in our in our world. We, we know that we have to have a strong heart to survive. Amen? And that comes from three core values from the Word of God. If you're, if you're going to have a strong heart, you have to have these three core values. And, and number one is that we must love Him. I don't know if you can see my artwork here. I hope I did a decent job, but we must love Him first. There really are two truths in life that are going to affect your life. And number one truth is that you can't live without trusting somebody. You can't live without trusting someone. You're going to trust something. Amen? Life is made to be built on trust. And I would submit to you that you must 
love the one that loved us first. That's Jesus. And put, his, put your trust in him. The fun thing is trying to analyze life without no trust. Do you know how long it would take you to get groceries done if you didn't trust anything? You know how difficult it would be to drive down the road if you didn't trust the implied laws that someone's going to stop at the red so that you can go through the green? There's trust all over our society, and we don't even recognize it necessarily. But I'm asking you to put your trust in him because he is the one that truly deserves your trust. And because of the fact that you can't live without trusting someone. So I submit to you the first of three basic principles and core values that must be supported. And those core values are backed up in our heart by the truth that you're going to have to trust somebody. And Jesus said, I'll die for you. I'll die for you before you even know me. For God so loved the world. That word world means cosmopolitan or cosmos. He died for the sinful world. He died for sinners before they even would have a chance to choose him. He said, I loved you before you even knew who I was. That is a God worthy of being trusted. Would you agree with me? And he says this, but without, in Hebrews eleven six, 6, he says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you believe that God is a rewarder when you diligently seek him? That he first loved us, loved us so we should love him? If you believe that, that is the other thing that you have to have. You must love him because he loved us. And then the third thing, you must love others. This is the hardest one. Loving others is very difficult at times. But there's a second truth that you must understand. You cannot isolate yourself or insulate yourself from being damaged in this world. We live in a fallen world, and our hearts take damage. Whether it's gross moral damage, whether it's damage that someone has done to you, or whether it's damage taken in little stripes over life. If it's the paper, the million paper cuts that finally got you, there is damage that happens in relationships, and we cannot keep that from happening because we are all individuals and different. But we still are called to love others even when it's hard. And so the first truth is you have to trust someone. And the second truth is, You can't live without being betrayed. You are going to be betrayed by something in your lifetime. And you have to learn how to go to God with that. In order to keep a strong heart, you must believe that he is worthy of being loved over everything else. And it's because he first loved you. And because of that, the damage that comes from loving others is worthy because that is what puts together a solid and complete loving heart. That is the truth of the word of God. He says it in that one sentence. God loved us, so we should love him. And then the scripture around it tells us that we are to love others. In Hebrews 6, it says, but without faith, you know that it is possible to please him. So we must have faith in something. And the big statement here that I want you to get from this little simple illustration with my bad painting and artwork is... If you're taking notes, love is a fruit of the Spirit, faith's memory, and hope's desire. Love is a fruit of the Spirit that comes from faith's memory and hope's desire. You will have 
memories that are core to your understanding of who God is, just like a bridge somewhere in Canada. We had such a destroyed vehicle. We had no money. We had enough gas money to get to Alaska. We were considered poor, but the first person on the scene, we have gone back and looked through the pictures. We cannot get a picture of this individual. In fact, he's only in one picture, and his face is turned from the camera. He knew what we needed. He showed up with stuff that he would not have had had he known we were going to be in an accident. He put us in touch with an officer that took us to a church that housed us for a week while they repaired our vehicle, built a wooden back on the back of the truck, and put a tarp over it so that we could have our stuff back in it and put us back on the road and paid for everything. And we cannot find out who this is. And so we called, my mom called the police officer station and said, can you tell me who the gentleman is that called you and helped us? And they said, well, we know that he was there, but he's not found in any of our databases. And we said, well, angels still show up when you need them because we don't know what to think other than that God stepped in. And that is a memory that I have. The fruit of the Spirit works love in me, but also from the memories of God showing up, it produces a hope in me that tomorrow can be better. I desire greater things in God because he is faithful and just, and he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ends. So I want to put all of me in all of what he has for me. And I know that people get damaged. I know hearts get hurt, but I can tell you this, the weight of grace is so great that even an ounce of kindness challenges a ton of neglect and shame. Even an ounce of kindness in your life can challenge a, a damaging heart, a damaging situation. You can turn it around. No, it doesn't take away the damage. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it neutralizes its effect in someone's life. There may be consequences that have to be lived out, but it does draw the heart to believe in more in him. And so we are blessed because he loves us. The greatest gift you can ever give to this world will be Jesus. It'll come from the overflow of relationships. It'll come from the overflow of others first. And God and our relationships with people is what changes everything because he works through others. Amen? And knowing that he pulled us out, that's compelling that he came for us. And the picture of this scripture that we love God because he first loved us, loved us is not the picture of Jesus, in my estimation, in my humble opinion, of Jesus holding a lamb that's clean and perfect and flawless. We think of Jesus as the good shepherd, and it's a beautiful passage. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That picture of Jesus holding a lamb is a comforting picture to me, but it's not the actual picture that I really think this text is painting. This is what I would think most would consider the picture of we love him because he first loved us. Loved us. But really the picture that I think 
that this text creates would be this next picture. That's the picture that the text creates. That why we wallowed in the things that we didn't even know were hurting us. And while our hearts were damaged and we couldn't love him, we surely didn't know that he loved us. And for sure, we had no ability to have lasting love with others. We had no complete love in our life, and we tried as much as we could, but we were wallowing in places we shouldn't be, staying longer than we should be there and going farther away from him than we would have wanted to. And Jesus comes running, amen? Look at the background. He comes running for us. When we didn't deserve it, he came running for us. It's so hard to see sometimes the imagery that is created from Scripture, but we couldn't have loved him had he not first loved us. We would not even know how to approach God had he not given himself revelation to us. We wouldn't even know how to come to him. We wouldn't be here to love him. We wouldn't even know him had he not made himself known. And because of that, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he loved us. Had he not reached for us in the mire, my friends, had he not come for us at our lowest moments, some of us, had he not loved me first, I would not know that there is no low he cannot go to. There is no place he cannot reach. And I pray that God starts to enlighten us because as I was praying over this sermon, I truly felt like God is going to begin to rain blessings on people's lives in this coming few days. And that God is not only going to hold the church accountable for any religion that hurt hearts, but he's also going to start to rain on the just and the unjust. He's going to begin to rain blessings on people. There's season. There's a season of blessing coming to those who love the Lord. And now I know because of what I've been through and because of what I've seen, and you can, you can apply it and hopefully you can make this same statement that be because he loved me first I can love him and I want others to know that he will do the same for them in the book soul is uh, the mingling of the soul by Matt Chandler he makes a statement what made me love Christ wasn't that all of a sudden I started figuring out how to live or do life what made me love Christ is that when I was at my worst, when I absolutely could not clean myself up and there was nothing anybody could do with me, right at that moment, Christ said, I'll take that one. That's the one I want. The one that doesn't seem to have value to anybody else. The one that doesn't seem like they'll ever clean up their act. The one that seems like they're not going to work out and things are just not going to go right for them. I come to Harold today, I'm blessed because he first loved me. I'm blessed because he first loved me. I pray you take that statement away today, that you're blessed because he first loved you. And that is a starting point, but not an ending point. It changes the way you approach everything. It changes the way you approach Scripture, because I know now that even when I don't feel it is this love that blesses me, even when I've come to Ephesians 1 and 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I know this love will help me trust him through difficult times. And, and it says, Psalms 34. 
34 and 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I will remain and be sustained by his love because James 1 and 12 says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. God does have an unconditional love. Because his love is unconditional, I should offer that same love to others. And so interstage left is a commandment in John 13, 34, about loving the unlovable. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are love to love one another. By this, all people know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. He said, they're going to know that you have the right kind of love if you love him because he first loved you, but even more important, because you love others, because you love each other. That's what the scripture says. It says you, they will know, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. I think we ought to look around and find out who needs help. I think we ought to look around and find out who needs love. I think we ought to look around and find out who are the people that actually need a heart turned back to God. And God loves it when we bless others from the overflow of the love that he gave us. Amen, somebody. So John 3, 16, the most popular verse in the Bible, in fact, may be underneath some people's shadow marks at the Super Bowl. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He loved you lost. He loved you as a rebel. He loved you running. He loved you undone. He loved you when no one loved you, but he does not leave you there. He comes for you to bring you out of the places that damaged your heart and to heal you, to make you new. Because he did that for me, go tell the world. That's the message. Because he did it for me, we must tell others so God can step in in difficult moments. I remember the story of one man whose life was entirely changed. He was living homeless, and he was behind a building, and he didn't have any hope, and he had finally decided he was going to end it all. And he said, God, if you're real, please send me an angel. If you're real, send me an angel to prove that you're real. And at that moment, the door of the building opened, and a man stepped out, and he said, hey, bro, are you okay? Do you need anything? Once you come inside, and I'll get you a meal. I'll help you. We'll get your life back on track. And he's like, okay. I don't know if that's God or not. They got inside, and he finally said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Angel. God sent him an angel. Just wasn't like he expected it. Has God ever done something for you in a way that you didn't expect? Where your expectations were one thing and they were damaged and broken because it didn't happen the way you thought it should, but God had a better plan that you couldn't foresee? He, he's the creator of heaven and earth. I think he can handle it. He has good plans for us, amen? Would you stand with me today? God has unconditional love. 1 John 4, 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. 
God is love, and whosoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen, somebody. The Lord your God is in your midst, one scripture says, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I think sometimes we come to church and we sing loud and we think that's what we do for God. Scripture says he sings over you loudly. I don't know what God's song is over you, but maybe it's all the things that he pulled you through. Maybe he sings about the time when he reached you. Maybe he sings about the time when you were in an accident under a bridge or by a bridge. I still don't like Canada to this day. (laughs) Just because of all that happened there, but God is faithful. The blessings of the Lord make you rich, and he adds no sorrow with it, the Bible says. So you can be blessed in the love of God without having the sorrow added with it. Jeremiah tells it like this. He said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends down roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it leaves, its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. He said, your life rooted in Christ will always bear fruit. So you can live with love, which is the fruit of the Spirit, if you're rooted in Jesus. So I'm thankful today. As I close, I have other things I would share, but there's a young boy that was battling a severe severe illness, and he was praying for strength to endure it. And for a sign that he was not alone. And one day the nurse walked in at the hospital and took time to sit and talk with him and share stories and laughter, bringing a ray of light to his moment of struggle. And the boy saw God's love reflected in a human being. The boy saw God's love reflected in somebody that says, someone that said, He loves me, so I should love someone else. I thank God for every caregiver in the room, every nurse, every doctor, every person online listening to this, and you care for people tirelessly. You give of yourself to the point of exhaustion sometimes. I want you to know that you're being God's light to those people, that you're being a hope to them, that you may be the beacon they remember that changes their forever. That you might be the comfort that makes them believe that my heart can heal and I can go on. And the journey is not too difficult and the recovery is not too hard. I don't mean to give you just a heartwarming story to end, but I want you to know that the kindness and compassion of God will demonstrate in the actions of our life. If he has touched you, 
you were meant to touch somebody else and change their life. If he has come and changed you, you were meant to take that change and do something with it. I hope these stories warm your heart. I do hope that you're inspired. But more than inspiration, I need to to tell you that God wants us to act on his kindnesses. God wants us to be moved in our hearts with compassion for others. God wants us to change our outlook and expect the unexpected. Expect God to turn things around. Expect seasons of blessing to come from the fact that he reigned on us when we were buried in the soil, thinking we had no days of of light, thinking we had nothing but darkness in our life, and that love unleashed in us is from God alone. There's nothing that can sustain us like the everlasting love of Almighty God. And I've come to tell somebody today that this is your story. This is my story. And if we will let him write it, he will change someone else's story. Because you never know the ripple effect of the love of God in your life and in somebody else's. You never know the change that happens and the chains that fall off of somebody's life. When you just say, I've been there. I know what it's like. And I'll pray for you, and God will make a difference. That's our story. And we're sticking to it. That's our story, and it changes everything. Would you bow your heads to me, Jesus? I don't know who needs to hear that their dark days are going to turn to light, and that their storm clouds are going to release rain, a blessing, but somebody in this room needs to know that. You're the God who loves us. And because you loved us, it turns everything around. And I want to love you the way you designed me to love you. And I want to love others the way you designed your love to pass through me and bless others. Would you bow your heads with me for as she sings this song? Take a moment with Jesus. If you have the luxury of not looking at your phone or not caring for a child right now, would you just lift your hands and begin to worship him? I want to stretch, God. I know I've been tired because of the caregiving that I've been doing, but I, I want to reach for your love so I have more capacity. Help me, Lord, to shine a light. Help me to carry your love to this world every broken heart I say heal to every struggling mind I say mend come on put his name on your lips right now Jesus I need you Jesus I want to be more I want to love my spouse like like you designed me to love I want to love my family the way you designed me to love them. What you sing it out. Would you lift your hands and just worship the God that loved us first. 